Welcome to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. I am your host, Leah Darrow, and I share with you inspirational people who are truly doing something beautiful to make our world better. We are inspired by the words of St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who said, do something beautiful for God. Do it with your life. Do it every day. Do it in your own way, but do it. Hey friends, welcome back to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. I am your host, Leah, and I cannot wait to bring back one of my favorite guests. Um, We've had him on a couple times, and it's just been so great and so well-received. He's back again, Dr. Greg Botero. He is a Catholic psychologist. He practices up there in the Connecticut, New York area. He really does... um, spend his time helping us connect the dots between holiness and happiness. It's uh, everything he says. I'm always shaking my head a million times over me like, yes, yes, yes. If you don't follow him, you need to follow him. Um, you can follow him at on, on Instagram at Catholic Psych. Make sure you go there or also make sure you check out the show notes and, and go ahead and sign up for everything that he offers at integrated.life. So Dr. Greg, so happy to have you back. Oh, it's awesome to be here with you. All right. Okay. So, so we are having a very, very fun discussion today, a very needed discussion. I get questions all the time and request all the time to talk more about this. And it's about dating, just plain oh, old yeah. dating. Yeah, that's a good one. It just seems like it's what a lot of people are doing and spending their time with many apps and lots of money is put towards this area of our life. And yet it's where the majority of the problems and the questions seem to come up in. It's, it's like one of these huge topics that are, that it's just so big and so difficult that people don't even know how to wrap their mind around it. And then, you know, we all end up suffering for it. Yeah. It's, you know, it's always funny because, um, before you start dating, like whatever the age was that you were maybe allowed to date by your parents, if that was the case for you, that was the case for me. Um, you're so excited. You're like, Oh my gosh, I can't wait to date. I can't wait to date. I can't wait to date. And then you've been in it for a while and you look like a war veteran. You're like, (laughs) get me out of this war. And when you get married, one of the things that I hear so many married people say is, I am so glad I don't have to date anymore. Like date, uh, you know, like go around and try to find that person because it's exhausting. Yeah, it can be exhausting. It's really so sad. And it's really, I mean, the problems run so deep, you know, the, the, the conflict and tension between masculinity and femininity is so deep in our culture. And in most marriages, these things are not being lived out well. And so parents are not teaching their kids how to live it out well. And, and yeah, we don't grow up having any sense of our role or our expectations or expectations of others. And then you just get thrown into this like laboratory to kind of go figure it out, experiment and, and kind of make sense of this huge mess, which is, I think it's, it's the most difficult, divisive, treacherous human experience that goes all the way back to literally the first book of the Bible and the beginning of our humanity on earth, the relationship between man and woman. So like for, you know, parents throwing their kids out into the dating scene and, and not giving them the tools they need to actually navigate it well is, is a real travesty. And it's no surprise that we end up looking like uh, we just went through battle. Right. Yeah. Now in, in the past podcast that we've done together, 
you've spoken um, extensively at times on an integrated life for for especially for our new listeners, for those who maybe have not did not catch that episode. Can you just let, let's just start back a little bit in the beginning in terms of how you so beautifully talk about this, this how to live and what it means to live an integrated life. Let's start there. Sure thing. Yeah. So, so just the most generic, basic sense of, of what I mean by an integrated life is, um, you know, we have to reason through certain principles that we, we judge to be true and good and beautiful. And then we discipline ourselves to follow those principles and live according to what is true, good, and beautiful. And so we sort of externally and internally line up. There's resonance between you know, what God has made us for and how God made us. So in our psychology, our emotional life, what makes us happy, what makes us fulfilled, what, what gives us that sense of peace can line up with certain principles that we live our life by. So that's what it means to be integrated is to know what these principles are and then to live according to them. Yeah. I, I love that. It's, it's very, I mean, I mean, is authentic another word for that? Yeah, absolutely. Authenticity. Although I think that word gets um, kind of trashed and it's, it's a popular word now. And a lot of times it might mean like be true to yourself, like how you feel. That's and true. it's all about like this, you know, I'm, I'm just being authentic. And it can be a justification for living a life uh, with a, our emotional life out of balance. And so this is a really precarious area to understand because we could be imbalanced on either side. And another way to think about integration is understanding the, the body and the spirit so that we are, we are an integrated composite. We are a combination of both body and spirit. And in the body, we find our emotions, our feelings, the experience of things. In our spirit, we find our intellect and our ability to know what is true, good, and beautiful, to know truth. We have to bring these things together. They're both part of the story. A lot of times in sort of church audiences, you know, in a lot of the preaching and things like that, we have this overemphasis on spiritual realities that devalue or underemphasize the fact that our psychology matters, our bodies matter. And then in the world, in a lot of secular and popular culture, we have this overemphasis of the body and feelings and the experience without any recognition of objective truth and principles that we should live our life by. So integration is bringing both of those things together, truly living a human life, which is this combination of both the body and the spirit. And that's how we find truth and then live in a way that is actually going to make us fulfilled and happy. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And when, when you say the word integrated life versus authentic life, it, it just seems like integrated is a better descriptor of what we're called to do. So it has more action in it. It seems like sometimes when we say an authentic life, like you said, it, can, it, it could be construed because of the way the world has distorted that as I'm just going to do whatever's right or true for me right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's great. Like we have to use the language of the culture and where people are at. So like everybody's trying to be more authentic. So, you know, I tell people all the time, like, that's awesome. I have the key. I have the secret that's going to help you be more authentic because if we have these sort of underlying assumptions and, and sort of prerequisites for what we mean by that, then truly 
being human is being authentic. Being integrated is truly being authentic. So we could draw people in with that language, but then give them that education about what that really means to truly be human, to truly be yourself, to be who you're called to be. And then that does kind of become more action oriented, propels more into that idea of integration. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of what I believe Aquinas talks about when he's actually trying to define the word beauty. And in his, in his, in his work, he, he pulls out um, one of the terms of proportion. And he talks about how you need to have, and, and I think we could almost say that what he was saying there is the word integrated, that everything has to have pr right proportion. Like your virtue needs to be proportionate across you know, the board. You can't be generous one day and then not the other. Your virtue is out of proportion. And so this integrated life is trying to incorporate all of who you are at all the time in all the different scenarios and as you engage with different people as well. Yes, absolutely. I love that. And it's like, you know, it becomes really shocking for people outside of theology or outside of the church to, to hear when like things like beauty is discussed and, and really everything like being Catholic is integrated. I mean, we, we love to use this phrase, the both and Catholic is Catholic is filled with the both and. And so, you know, it's not supposed to be, you know, the strict rigid rules or the experience and the beauty and the emotion it's both and and i was just talking to a, a catholic leader we were discussing like what a what the driving sort of front end of evangelization should look like right now and there's this sort of debate around you know catholic social justice issues which is basically what the world is is open to hearing about and sexual morality which nobody in the world wants to hear about so from a Catholic perspective, and, and the, the, the only real answer is it's the both and if we truly go deep into beauty and we see that there's this beauty of sexual morality and it also opens us up to the, the deepest, widest understanding of social justice and everything we understand about the human person and the dignity of the person and why we should be working to protect and serve and save as many people as possible from all kinds of tragedy in this world. But that's also why we shouldn't be using contraception. And so like, you know, all these things come together in this really filled out, flourished Catholic viewpoint. It's, it's really the biggest picture possible. And that's, that's also part of what I mean by integration. Yeah. And, and like you said, part of your mission is to help us all, you know, connect, connect the dots from, you know, between happiness and holiness. And there's, there there's just a lot of dots <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> there's 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 a lot like you said i mean like it there's this being integrated reaches into everything it reaches into every aspect of being human and and so as as we as you've kind of laid the groundwork here for this integrated life i think it gives you know a little bit of justice to the frustration of those who are in that stage of dating and wanting to be married and trying to navigate who they are, what's the person that they project out into the world, and then trying to find that other person as, as this, you know, compliment to them to live a life together and, you know, hopefully have some kids, raise some saints, 
and, uh, and, and go through that process. But it's, it's quite challenging to, to do that. Oh, it's terribly challenging. And it's even harder when most of the leaders and sort of speakers and different elements of church education don't really do justice to the way we're supposed to live our lives and why. You know, being integrated also on, makes it clear that we are called to follow Christ to his resurrection through his crucifixion. And it's only by embracing suffering as a path to deepest fulfillment and, and redemption that we will actually receive what it is that we're longing for. But there's so many ways, and I'm going to bring this around back to dating, but there's so many ways that we avoid suffering in the conversation. Not just, I mean, we, we, there's a reason why we emotionally and psychologically avoid suffering. We should avoid suffering. It's a healthy human trait. It's a survival instinct. It's certainly a good thing to avoid suffering. But we need to be guided to go beyond our biology because we're not just animals. We're not just physical. We're not just biological. The spiritual part of who we are allows us to transcend our biology, including our survival instinct. But we need motivation and guidance and, and encouragement to do so. And so what we need is to have this message loud and clear in the deepest ways possible that brings together the beauty and the goodness and the truth of our teaching that also says, but hey, don't forget, this is supposed to hurt a little bit. So, you know, I, I tell people all the time, whether I'm doing marriage prep, marriage counseling, whether we're talking about, you know, couples suffering with NFP, natural family planning, or having a lot of kids or infertility and not having any kids. At the end of the day, we cannot forget the fundamental point of our faith is that this whole life is about learning how to be a gift of self and giving yourself hurts. Mm. It's not supposed to be easy, but at the same time, this is the other side of it. It's the both. And when we give in and trust God and take him at his word and follow Jesus to the cross, it leads to the actual resurrection. And so trusting God, abandoning ourselves to divine, to divine providence, really giving in and giving ourselves up, becoming a gift, laying down our lives the way that Jesus showed us becomes incredibly easy. We make it so much harder on ourselves by trying to avoid the suffering that each phase of our life is calling us to. So it's, you know, this is like the most important point about marriage is that when you make a vow, you're literally saying before God and man, I promise until death do us part to lay down my life and give myself up and die to self for you, the person that you're, you're looking into the eyes of. And that's the whole point, is I live no longer for myself, but for you. And, and that's forgotten at every step of the way. Mm. And so, you know, after marriage and before marriage, that's typically not the emphasis. And so when I talk to people about dating, I mean, we can, we can kind of circle back around to this, but the ultimate end point is, you know, you know, single life, dating life is all training for the deeper, bigger, harder gift of self that you give in marriage. So that's, you know, that's got to be the lens that we look at everything else through in this conversation. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you're absolutely right because when we're talking about a certain 
element like dating. And when we talk about dating, we have to remember the end goal is marriage, right? That's hopefully the goal for, for, for everybody. Um, and so with that, what that means, and I think, uh, yeah, you, you, you laid it out beautifully. I mean, it's so true. Um, now, okay, Greg, how long have you been married to Barbara? Uh, we just had our seven year anniversary. Yeah. So same as Ricky and I, seven, seven years deep and um, <laughs> learning so much, but it's, I mean, when you said that about marriage of like what the, what, what, what those vows mean, oh man. And I'm, I mean, I'm only seven years in, but that is so dang true. I mean, you really are up there. And in other words, those vows are saying, I promise I will suffer with and for you. Yeah, absolutely. And That's it's definitely it. So, I mean, like it's, it's heartbreakingly true um, and beautiful, but that's really what it is. But I mean, I don't know about you. Maybe, I mean, I don't know. You'll have to speak for yourself. For me, uh, that wasn't like that. I don't think I ever understood that line. I don't think anybody says the vows are your, that you're really saying is that you're going, you're going to, you're going to vow to God and to your spouse that you're going to suffer with and, you know, and for them. Um, because it's so wrapped up into this and right. And, and there's, there's good reason, but this beautiful expression, like all the happiness and all those high oxytocin feelings of love and, you know, romance get wrapped up into it. But, but real life is more than just that day, right? Real life is more than the honeymoon. Um, and, and so I wish there was better preparation for young people or anyone going through the dating process as they, as they approach this, this very, uh, big mountain of marriage that's beautiful and good, but is truly a mountain of holiness in front of them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's the big pain point for me in my work. I've, I've worked with, um, different dioceses and archdioceses around the country. I helped develop a program it's so, you know, it's really so sad, the state of just sort of the institutional organization right now. But you know, this, this one particular archdiocese brought me in. And my complaint has always been, you can't do marriage prep in a three-day weekend or, you know, whatever it is. And then they tell me that they wanted me to make the program. It was, they were turning it into a one-day program down from three days. And I almost, I almost didn't do it out of principle. And then I realized, well, at least, you know, People are going to be going through this, so I'm going to do whatever I can to give them something. And I told them I would only do it on, on condition that I can make the theme. And the theme of that day was going to be gift of self. And if I could get people in marriage prep to learn one thing, it's that it's what they're saying on the day of their vows. Because everything else you have to figure out afterwards. But if you get that right, then you go into all the conversations about finance and children and you know, all, you know, all these different things, extended family and whatever. If you get the first step right, then those other steps become life-giving instead of soul-crushing, which is often, sadly, what ends up happening. Yeah, uh, I mean, it is. So, so, for, so for those that are listening, that are single and are dating, I mean, 
I, I get this question all the time. I would imagine you probably do too. Um, but so many single ladies come to me and they are exhausted and they are overwhelmed and they're just like, they just like, you know, shake their hands to the sky about how to find the right person. Um, what can they do to go about dating in a healthier way so that they can approach um, they get to that place where they understand better even before they get to their marriage prep about the gift of self and the integrated life. Yeah, I mean, there's a number of things to do. And actually, while we're talking, I just realized I have, I actually have a course called How to Be Married. And it, had, it talks about dating. And it talks about the points of marriage that people should be thinking about when they start dating. And uh, one of those things is, or included in that is this sense of, you know, people always ask these really, you know, kind of immediate need questions of like, how do you define chastity? Like, how do I know what to do or not to do? Or like you just said, like, what can I do to find the right guy or find the right girl? And, you know, we, I have, I have some different like worksheets and things in there to, to sort of help flesh those questions out. But it, it all generally comes back to this very simple idea that we have to take a step back from the emotional needs and the emotional draw that typically leads our decision making. And first, take some time to reflect on principles. What are the principles that will get me to the best outcome? And then once you have those principles fleshed out, then you get to work, you put them into place. And so it's a broad, broad, broad generalization, but it literally it will give you the answer to everything, whether it's dating, marriage, how to raise your kids, how to pick a job, how to spend your time, whatever. So when it comes to dating, you know, the first principle has to be, is this a period of my life that should be ordered towards dating? Like that's the first question. Such a good question. Oh gosh, seriously. I love that question. I'm so happy that that's your first question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's gotta be the first question. And oh, again, yes. it's like, what's the emotional need? The emotional need is loneliness, your desire for connection. You're human. Of course you desire a connection. That's going to be at the base of every single thing you ever do in your life. Literally from the time that you're born, you're looking for connection. So that can't possibly be the principle that's driving your decision to say, this is a period or, or season of my life or phase or stage of life when I should be dating. That's the first question you have to actually arrive at a principle for. And here's, here's an important distinction, an important question to go deeper with that, why it might not be a period of life to date. First of all, one answer might have to do with self-awareness and self-ownership. Another answer might have to do with is there an opportunity to grow in intimacy with God right now and develop a spiritual life that you will literally never again in your life have the time for unless it's the other end of life where maybe you're a widow or, you know, once your children are out of the house and, you know, I don't know. But, but the point is, once you get going into this river, like you're gone. <laughs> It's, it's a fast moving stream here, fast moving current. So before you get married, before you're dating even, you have so much time and so much space in your life to make decisions about how to spend your time. And there's so, such a good opportunity to develop a deep prayer life and intimacy with God 
that is going to serve you for the rest of your life and your spouse and your children and everyone around you. And if that's not taken seriously, you're going to make your life significantly more difficult. I, I, it, I yeah, I, I cannot back enough what you're saying. I hope every one of you that is listening right now that is in this situation, um, that you take what Dr. Greg is saying to heart with those two, two priorities right there. I mean, those two principles. It's so important. It's so important. Like, I mean, oh, I, I don't know how I could say it louder or better. Um, I couldn't say it better, maybe louder. But I mean, it's so true. This is the time in your life to put down the foundation that will carry you through some of the more most challenging moments of a marriage is your spiritual life, is your relationship with God the Father. And that time is so precious. It's so precious. And you don't like, like you said, once you want, once you jump into this awesome, you know, uh, current of marriage, it just, you start going and kids come and it's crazy. And so it's so important. I think, yeah, what, what you're saying is so excellent. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just had to like emphasize that a little bit. No, I, I, I hope you do. And I mean, really, we could just spend another hour just talking about that point, but it's, I mean, people look around like, why is our world where it is? What's this connection between the nuns, Pew Research? Like, why are people disavowing religion? And oh, also, by the way, nobody's getting married anymore. And the people who do are getting divorced. And why is all this bad stuff happening in the school systems? And I like, it's, I, I wish I had a louder microphone, a megaphone and like all the rooftops in the world to shout off of. Like, there's a connection. There's an important connection. I can tell you the answer. It's actually not hard. People are not developing a relationship with God that, that matters, that counts, that works. God life, and we are not taking the time to let him, and we're not learning how to listen to him, and we're not learning how to live according to principles that will actually make us happy and fulfilled and find meaning in our life. So, and then we're like looking around with like dumb looks on our faces, like, oh, I wonder what's going on. Like, it's because we're just rushing from one emotion into the next without taking a step back to ask these big questions. Yeah, and I, I would think that for those that have developed or in that process of developing and spending the time in developing their relationship with God. Um, I would imagine those are the ones that might not be asking these questions. You know, maybe not, but, and, and again, I'm not saying any of this to, to, you know, be harsh or critical. I mean, the world at large, the secular world is probably asking that. I don't even know if they're bothering to ask that question, honestly. I think they're just, you know, kind of drinking whatever Kool-Aid's being passed out. But I do think, you know, even, even the most faithful single Catholics that I meet and work with, I don't think they really get it. And for a long time, I didn't get it, that the suffering that you feel in the loneliness and the temptation to doubt God's providence in your life is the least difficult it will ever be again for you in your life. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm laughing because it's true. <laughs> it's so true. And when you're sitting in that place, 
You have no idea how true that is. You have nothing to compare it to. But as soon as you have a, a, a vow, a vocation, and you have a spouse, everything is different. And the worries and temptation to doubt and temptation to doubt providence and temptation to not be at peace are exponentially increased. And then you start having children and it becomes even more exponentially increased. And then it just multiplies by the year, by the day. So the time of singleness, of, of not dating yet, of finding a way to be at peace with God's plan for your life today, even if that means that you don't have somebody that he is revealing to you as a person to discern marriage with, if you can't find peace with that today, you are not ready to be dating, to be married, or to be a parent yet. Mm. And that's just the plain and simple truth of it. But most people are pulled into that trajectory anyway. And then it gets really, really hard when the temptation to doubt and despair and not have peace and, and be anxious increases. And they haven't yet established that firm foundation to be at peace in God's providence. And then it becomes harder and harder. And then you realize that you're hurting your spouse because of it. And then you realize that you're hurting your kids because of it. And then hopefully at some point, like you get wind of the program and you, you like realize, okay, I have to actually let go and be at peace with God's providence no matter what. But I can tell you, and you can, I know you agree. I know you already feel this. Like when you're single, it's the easiest to trust in God's providence. It just gets harder after that. Oh, dear, dear God. Yes, it's so true. Yes, it is. It's the easiest. It's, it's, I want to go back to my former self, to my past self, and I just want to give myself the biggest <laughs> kick in the butt ever and grab my shoulders and be like, Leah, you are an idiot. I yeah. love you. You're an idiot. Like, stop. <laughs> Stop, stop, stop. It's just, it's not that big of a deal. And, and, and it, it is fair to note, it's fair to, to, um, to say that if you are in a place where you, uh, you, you are actively uh, deepening your relationship with the Lord, you are single, and that ache is still there, that's normal. Like the ache will, that doesn't mean that the ache goes away if you, if you follow these principles. Of course. It, because that ache, let me, the, the ache was with Adam before original sin. Yeah, the ache is there. Like I said, it drives our behavior, you know, from the, the, the moment that we're born. It drives right. our behavior in utero. And it, it's, I mean, there, there, obviously there's beautiful theological you know, sort of facet to look through and understand. And, and we're made for relationship with God. We're made to be, we are an image of the communion of God and we're made for union with God at, at the other end of this thing. And, but it also, we can see it through our biology, through our neurology. You can look at brain function and different neurological patterns that show us the same exact truth and reality. We're driven towards connection. And when we don't have connection, it hurts. That's, that's part of our makeup. That's what it means to be human. So again, you know, that's not going to be the answer. That's not what's going to drive the answer for you or reveal to you what you're actually called to at this season in your life. Because the whole name of the game is sitting with things that hurt and not giving in to our impulses to avoid the pain and discomfort. And if you can't, again, if, if, you know, the ache of singlehood is the least amount that it's going to hurt. 
it's going to hurt more when you find that ache is still in your heart when you've met the love of your life mm. and, you're, and you have a fairy tale marriage and it's beautiful beyond all measure. And then you find yourself waking up at three o'clock in the morning still aching. And that's what really can throw people off because it, God has made it very clear to us that we were not made for fulfillment in this world and that marriage is not the ultimate fulfillment that we're made for on, in this world. And so, you know, but again, if, if our whole life is driven by making this ache go away, the ache is never going to go away. And that's what heaven is. So we need to learn how to live differently to be happy and holy and fulfilled and, and to be doing, living according to the way God made us that, has to, that, that we're able to sit with the ache and let it be there and be okay with it. And there's other ways to reason towards whether or not, you know, we're supposed to do X, Y, or Z or take a left or take a right or whatever it is that we're supposed to discern. Yeah. I, you know, very simply, I answered this question about dating and, and, and on Instagram just recently. And, um, in very, very simple terms, not as beautiful as what you just said, but I just said, you know, if you're not happy before marriage, you're not going to be happy in marriage. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. That's, that's, I can be a little bit wordy. So I, I like the succinct way that you can put that. <laughs> they both work, but you know, it's also Instagram, so I couldn't put all that up there, there but you, go. Uh, you know, it's just, you, you, you know, to have the self-awareness to know who you are, to know who God is, to know God's plan for your life, which is his plan for, to be with you forever. God's will for you is to be with him forever. Like it's, it's, he, he loves you that much that he doesn't want to go for, for, forego eternity without you. So he'll, he'll open himself up to us and to participate in his life so that we can choose him. Um, and that involves that ache, you know, that, that, you mentioned and being okay with it. And when you're okay enough with that ache, it's, it's not a point of contention or tension in your marriage um, as much as it could be if, if it's not dealt with or that you don't, I guess, get right. comfortable with, with, with what that is and, and the spiritual aspects of that. And again, going back to your fantastic word here, this integrated life, this integrated Catholic life where, where we can remember that we're not just our feelings. We're not just our soul. We're, you know, we're this whole thing all beautifully mixed. So, so with these principles, we've, you've, you, you've given us a couple of things. What, after the, after people have asked those questions, where should they go for, for the next step? Yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of this just has a lot to do with sort of your own particular state, you know, it has to do with, you know, where you live and what kind of activities you're engaged with and where you're at in your life, I think is a huge thing. I mean, my, my story, you know, I mean, everybody's story is so different, but my parents got divorced when I was 17. And then I went to college, really hurt and confused. And then my journey was all about, you know, kind of finding answers. I spent three and a half years as a Franciscan friar. So I was like running away from marriage, pretty hardcore. And God did a lot of healing in my life. And then I went to graduate school. And so I was doing a lot of self-awareness, growing in self-awareness. So by the time I was 30, I had been through so much where I learned so much about who I was that it became a lot easier 
to know who I needed to be with and, and to be open to seeing that in another woman, you know, getting over myself to actually see the other person and, and making a really good decision. And so I thank God for even the difficult parts of my life that helped me to really learn how to discern like that before I got married. So that by the time I got married, a lot of these answers were, had already been given to me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, everybody's got such a unique story that we have to take that, that step back and first ask, like, do I really know myself? And do I really know what I want in life? Do I really know what's most important? Am I really, do I have self-ownership? Am I able to sort of make a schedule for my week and stick to it? Do I have like a reasoned way of thinking about self-care? Like, do I exercise or, or, or you know, whatever it is, like just be, be healthy physically, spiritually, emotionally, you know, or, do, you know, do you just kind of live by the moment and just, you know, kind of let things happen? Now, a lot of that has to do with personal development and growth and self-ownership and emotional health, spiritual health and physical health that, you know, it, 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 if you're going to, if you're going to see your life as a gift to somebody else, you know, what kind of gift are you giving? That's an important question to also be able to answer before you enter into that process. That's really great. I never, I don't know if I've ever heard that phrase that way. I like that. These, these principles that Dr. Gray is talking about, don't worry, they will be in the show notes so that you can write them down. <laughs> then you can go and check out all of his information and the courses he offers so that you can get more in this. But we will definitely put those, those very, very good questions and those principles you've just mentioned. I mean, we just... You know, like I said, I, I know you get the questions too. I get so many questions of this ache of, I want to be married so badly and it hasn't happened yet. Um, for, I mean, how, how could we help the person who's asking that right now? Like their ache, they ache so badly. We've already talked about these principles. Hopefully they're going to give those questions to themselves and answer them. Um, but how would we respond to somebody who's like, I just... I want it so much and it's just not happening yet. And let's just assume this person is a person who is actively pursuing their relationship with God as well. Like what, what is encouragement that we could, that, that we could give, that you could give them to kind of keep going in this, in this time in their life? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I do want to say that if, if, you know, the first principle of trusting God's providence is in place. That means that they're not going to have the same anxiety about not dating because they're going to trust God's providence. Now, if you have somebody who's not necessarily coming out of anxiety or, or pain and suffering saying, fix this for me, but they're saying, okay, I'm at peace where I'm at in life. But I also feel that there's some responsibility on my part to like do something if this is what I feel called to. And a hundred percent, I, that's definitely true. So, you know, another both and integrated principle is, yeah, we trust in God's grace and providence, but he also gives us a mind and a heart to act on. And so we, you know, we do put ourselves out there and we, you know, work as if it depends on us and, and pray as if it depends on God. So we have that both and principle active there. So then what should we do? Well, you know, again, it's, there's going to be specific circumstances. You know, I, I work with people in ministries where they have lots of friends who have connections, uh, you know, so they get set up with somebody or whatever. 
I think, I think the number one thing is to order really quickly the most important priorities and what you're looking for in the other person. And so what becomes very, very quickly obvious after marriage is that what you thought was important before you got married is not even close to true. Oh, yeah. so, so like talk to married people yes. and find out what principles you should be seeking in a, a partner. Like you think it's like, well, you know, I really want somebody who's tall and dark hair and dark eyes and they have to love rugby and, you know, he's got to be artistic, but not too artistic because he has to think clearly and did it at what, like, okay. Like that's going to be a complete waste of time and misdirected. Yeah. It doesn't matter. So you talk to somebody who's married and get a sense, like have it's, I tell single people like have good, close married friends and Try to check in, be like, what, you know, what do you wish you knew before? What, what do you wish you looked for? You know, what qualities about your spouse are you, you know, so happy that are there 10 years later, five years or one year later after marriage, whatever it is. And, and you figure out those, those principles. I, I tell people all the time that, you know, for me, when I met my wife, she was actually outside the church when I first met her and, uh, and, and you know, was very curious about sort of like the true, she had a bad experience of what being Catholic was all about uh, growing up. And so, you know, for her, she was like interested in like what the real Catholic version of, of things what looked like. But the, the principle, the quality about her that stood out from our first date was her receptivity, that she was like really open to me and really receptive of me as a, as a man, as a leader, as, uh, as somebody that she could be interested in, intrigued and inspired by. And so like, you know, even, even if like being Catholic was on my checklist, like that was not as high of a priority at that point, because I met somebody who, who I knew I could lead and she'd be open and receptive to that. And so it all worked out. (laughs) She did, she did follow my lead and I did, you know, open her up to, to truths about things that she had been lied to about the church and, and the, her faith. And even this integrated way of life, she was like, as soon as she read Theology of the Body for Beginners, she read it like eight times in six months and then started like handing it out to all her secular friends. And she's like, they just don't get it. Like they're sleeping around and then they're wondering why they're not happy. Like, why don't they get it? This is not right what they're made for. And yeah. so anyways, that, that was like one principle that I thought about Father Chad Ripperger has a great talk on dating where he talks about just the fundamental highest priority principle is, is this person seeking virtue in their life? Is that even an important quality to them? And, and do, you, do you have ways to like prove that? Like, do you have evidence to back up the fact that this person is seeking virtue and, and like is upset about not upholding virtue and wanting to to be more virtuous in their life. So that's another, you know, again, just kind of like stepping back before you're thinking about even how to meet people, you're, you're building this idea in your mind of like, what's actually the most important part about the person that I want to connect with. Hey, this message is for my ladies. Ladies, listen, if you are looking for some accountability in your prayer life, if you feel or you might be alone 
uh, you feel like you're alone in your faith life, maybe there's not a lot of people who support you or around you, um, or you're just not connected to them, or <laughs> sometimes it's just struggling uh, to reach out, um, or, 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 or maybe it's just the fact that you want to know your faith better. You really want to go deeper, but you feel overwhelmed with all the amount of uh, possibilities and ways to do that. Or you want to go to grad school, but you also really don't want the price tag that's associated with that or the homework um, or the intensity maybe. And you're looking for practical and pastoral theology. I have an answer for you. We just created the very first Catholic app for Catholic women. Super excited about this. This is the Lux app, L-U-X. Lux is Latin for light, and we truly believe that we are called to be lights and called to be leaders um, for ourselves, for our families, for our church, and for the world. So I want to invite you to join this amazing network of women. It is so much more than an app. I mean, I'm, I'm incredibly proud of all of the work that we have done to create this app, but, and it's mobile friendly. It's also desktop friendly, but it's really, truly about a network. There are three main components really quickly. I just wanted to share with you so that you know about it and you can share it with others. We have the prayer department and in prayer, we offer live weekly prayer, rosary, divine mercy, chaplet. We also offer live Sunday Gospel Reflections by Father Michael O'Loughlin, who is our Lux chaplain, and he often, very often, goes in and even offers live evening prayer, so you you always get a notification on your phone whenever he goes live if you want to pray with him, but it's really beautiful about what he does. Um, he's there for us every single week, guiding us through the gospel and giving us a challenge to take with us throughout the week. I love the prayer department inside the app. It is absolutely my favorite piece, I think. Um, and then we have the community piece. And a lot of people kind of like gloss over or when they offer something, they always say community, but they really don't mean it. We mean it. We, we sincerely mean it. This is one, this is the best tech tool I have ever used to really connect me with other Catholic women um, in a way that you're off social media, so you don't have to worry about all of that. There's no trolls. And you really are in this intimate place with other Catholic women. And you can actually find out and see where they are around you and near you, like in your city, or even when you travel, you'll be able to find out where the other Lux ladies are. And if you wanted to, you could reach out and say hello. You could connect. You could maybe arrange a time to like go grab coffee whatever you want, or maybe you just want to stay back and just, you know, chat in the chat boxes from afar. Either way, you will definitely know that you're not alone anymore in your faith. And then the third main compartment or main department that we offer inside the Lux network is formation. And that is Lux University, where we offer practical and pastoral uh, theology courses for you to know your faith better. Uh, it's amazing. It is ever evolving. We are constantly adding new courses to the LuxU platform. So you're never going to get in there and then like that's all we're ever going to have. We film new courses about once a month. So we are churning out new stuff constantly and we're always asking you about what you want. Like what's a what's what topic do you want covered? And so it's community sourced 
uh, content that we're putting out. It's really beautiful. We're faithful to the church teachings. We are just courageously Catholic in our faith and and in our movement towards being leaders and lights in the world. And we want you to join us. So make sure you go to theluxuniversity.com, get the information, choose your plan and download the app there. Quick note, quick note for all of my Apple iPhone users, you want to make sure you go to theluxuniversity.com to choose your plan and get the app. Don't go to the app store because Apple charges 30% more and we have no say so in that. They do that. Um, We cannot issue cancellations or refunds or anything because that's all on Apple. So we have warnings everywhere. This is your warning. If you want to be a part of the Lux Network, go ahead and go to theluxuniversity.com. It's available for anyone, international, Android, Apple, you name it. You are welcome here. I cannot wait to see you inside the Lux app. I definitely can can um, second all of that. I mean, I know that for my personal experience with Ricky, uh, there were there were two things that really stood out to me about him. Now, I mean, I I this is true for me. It still is true for me to this day. I'm very, I mean, I'm also very attracted to Ricky. So it's not like I was only looking for these things. It was this integrated piece. So like attraction was there too. But after that, getting to know Ricky, um, there was, I, I noticed that because of how he lived his life and the things that he did, he was incredibly disciplined and mm-hmm. virtuous in that. And he was virtuous in an environment that didn't always uphold it. Hmm. And so I saw somebody who continued in his faith when even the people around him did not. That's because awesome. Because of, of the um, military situation he was in. And I just thought that was, that was impressive to me. It was very impressive of his willingness to put it on the line, to be who he was, to, to say what he believed and to, to do it regardless if the group around him was doing it or not. And so that for me was like, okay, that tells me that when things will go real bad, he'll still do the right thing. Mm, exactly. That's awesome. And so that was like a huge, like uh, green flag. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, go, go. Like that is definitely somebody I'm looking for. And then the other, the other, the other part is, um, I've said this many times when I talk about Ricky on the podcast, but I cornered Ricky at one point um, because of my own personality. And I was like, look, I'm not playing games. I'm not looking for friends. I've got lots of those. <laughs> so um, I just need to know. So let's stop messing around. What do you want? And he, of course, of course, I do this in the middle of like a party, like, a, like an afternoon Perfect. party, you know? <laughs> We're all like having a great time with our margaritas. And he's like, Oh my gosh. Like he's probably thinking you're insane. I'm sure he still thinks that about me at times, but still. Um, but the point is, is that he took me serious. He knew that I was concerned. And for whatever reason, I chose an inopportune time and I decided to throw it at him. And another green flag was that he paid attention to what was important to me. Awesome. And so just the fact that I said it the way I did 
and that he was and how he responded i'll share in a minute but it, it, it like i go back to this seven years late l- later now seven years into our marriage and i know that there are some key moments that were really defined for me my choice to continue to move um on in into the relationship and that was definitely one of him and because he saw that it was important to me and he ended up answering me and, and after i said you know what do you want and he just looked at me very serious and very calmly and he just says leah what i want if you want to know what i really want it's i want to be completely known by one person mm. and i just thought okay like he really wants someone to know everything about him. He doesn't want to hide. And um, that was a good enough answer for me to be like, okay, I think I can hitch my wagon to you. Like that's, that's, that's pretty huge. That's so vulnerable. Yeah, it was. And, and I, you know, I, it, but those were like big moments for me outside of the fact that I thought he was super cute and I liked what he did for a living and all these other stuff that kind of doesn't really matter in the end. The things that really have, helped us during the hardest times of our marriage go back to those moments of me seeing that in Ricky and his character and his virtue have held us up when when it was too hard for me at times and it's just those are really important things to consider when you're dating and what you're looking for in someone is beyond the beyond what you see um, and, and like how, and what they put out there on just a, you know, bio, but, but really at the deeper integrated life that they're living or, or maybe not living. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, there's so many things in that story. I love there's, you know, first of all, I get, I get from a lot of young people, a lot of dating people and dating, like the women complain about the men not taking enough of a leadership role. And, you know, I fully support the understanding of like the masculine genius is different from the feminine genius and they both have their roles and places and they integrate and they, there's a collaboration that that comes between them. That's beautiful. And so, you know, I, I certainly think that men should be sort of like sticking their neck out there first, taking that first risk, you know, and, and making the ask or stating the intentions or doing all that. But it's not like one of these strict like, you know, you have to just go and mope at home for the rest of your life because, you know, there's no actual good men out there. Like, there's all sorts of ways that there's miscommunications, where people are on different pages, where, you know, like, we have to be careful not to, like, take those principles and then, uh, you know, irrationally misattribute them to certain things we're experiencing in our life. That's why there's a real art to this. And, and I love the fact that you just cornered him like that because that's a perfect example of what I would say is a very well-executed knowing yourself, knowing what you're about, having self-ownership, and seeing something wonderful in this other person and wanting to sort of line up your, your principles together, your values, and, and make sure that you're both on the same page and or, you know, on the same track. And so I, I love that part of your story. I also think there's so much dripping from his answer to you because that vulnerability to, to express that, you know, he, I mean, he could have just like totally flubbed it with some BS or, you know, about something about you, you know, that inspires him or like, you know, this is what, you know, whatever, like, 
not that not that it would have been BS, but like it's not the deepest answer of what you were actually looking for. Yeah. And for him to show up and to number one, get what you were saying, like having the empathy to put himself in your shoes and really get how important that question was for you and where you're really coming from. And then take your your invitation to show up and actually give that answer shows so much strength in his own self-ownership and the vulnerability that he was able to give you at that moment. And so, you know, that's also another balancing act where it's like not this like gushing vulnerability, which is really not vulnerable because it's, you know, just looking for attention or, you know, looking for nurturing, but it's like deep sharing of something that could be rejected and he's taking the risk anyways. So anyways, I just, I just wanted to point out for anybody listening that's looking for like, what are the principles we're talking about? Um, I, I think that those are some, some really awesome ones to look for in, in somebody. Yeah. And you know, throughout all of it, it's, um, I think it's really what, what you've been saying and what we've been trying to hammer out is looking at dating through a more integrated viewpoint versus just, I want, I want, I need, I need. Yep, absolutely. The whole thing, it's just training ground for being a gift of self. And that means you're submitting yourself to God, first of all, you're trusting in his providence, and then you're trying to move towards living a, you know, this integrated life, a holy life that's going to be fulfilling because you're, you're basing it on the right principles. So like the kind of man that you want to attach yourself to, or the kind of woman you want to attach yourself to has these kinds of values and virtues present. And that's, what's going to make for a good family. That's, what's going to make for healthy parenting. That's, what's going to make for you being able to be imperfect and, and still be okay because you might be the cause of those very difficult feelings that the other person is feeling at some point along the way. And, and so knowing that somebody has the right mindset is, is a very important part of the task. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. There, there's, there are so many things that we can go into more, but I think, I think this is an amazing start. I think that if, if, if you're listening and you're single and you're dating and you haven't thought about these principles, I think these, these three, I think that we've gone over will, will set you on an amazing path. If you take them and really do the work, really do the work and ask yourself these questions of what that means, um, in your own life and where you're at in dating and your ultimate goal, because in marriage, which is, you know, I think so often we, what I hear, what I hear so often from young women is that they are just searching and searching and they're looking and they'll ask me, do you know where to find great single Catholic men? It's like the outlook, it seems to be like a very bad case of cops. Like women are looking for their husband who's a fugitive and is <laughs> running from them and they are having a bounty out for, I mean, like, it's just like, they're asking everybody, like, do you know where this person is? Do you know where this person is? It's like, it's like, it's like their face should be on a milk carton. I mean, it's just, that's, so funny. It, that's just not the way to approach it. Although I understand because I think that's the ache talking, right? 
Yeah, 100% is the ache talking, but and that's, that's exactly what we need to learn how to step back away from. And that's going to be when you're frustrated with your kids, there's an ache in that. So you have to learn how to not to listen to it. When you're you know, frustrated with your spouse, there's an ache of sorts in that. And you have to learn how to not listen to it. And so you can, you know, the ache, and I don't mean that even to say that in a negative way. I mean, we want our children to be virtuous and well-behaved and develop solid character. So if we're frustrated with them for misbehaving, is that terribly wrong to be frustrated? Of course not. But we need to, to, to step back from it and allow ourselves to act based on other principles than simply how we feel. And so actually, so before we wrap up, if I have a couple minutes, I did want to leave, get a little bit more practical. My wife tells me I'm always way too abstract and uh, I need to be, try to be a little bit more practical. So I try to, I try Thank to be receptive you, to her there as we well. go. <laughs> but I, I, <clears throat> I can give some principles in about three minutes. And I would like your listeners to understand that however long we've been talking, compared to the three minutes that I'll take to give these principles, is a manifestation of the, the, the sort of uh, relationship of these priorities. So like if 98% of this podcast has been about all these principles. It's there. It's ninety-eight percent of what's important, and and I'm going to throw in a couple of things here at the end. That's maybe two percent, but but really, people have to take a step back and take take deeper account of of everything else we've been talking about. But I do think so. I, I'll just tell what I did because I think this can be helpful to just see this in action the way that I reasoned out some principles. Absolutely. When I was getting towards the end of graduating, I was in a five-year program for my PsyD, and I was in my last year. I was getting ready to move to New York from D.C., and I was a little concerned that I hadn't met anybody yet. So I was like, I'm going to take this seriously now. And I'd done a lot of work on myself, and I'd gotten to know sort of like who I was, and, and I had a reasonable idea of what I was looking for. And so I looked at online dating as a, an avenue to to kind of step out of my immediate circle. And now first principle, it's not online dating. You can't date online. Uh, you, relationships need to develop in person. But what we can do is online meeting. And so I set up a, a, a set of rules for the most appropriate way, the best way to meet the right person. And this might sound a little funny at first, but I basically looked at it as a numbers game. And this is going to be a totally like man way of thinking about it. It's very like rational and logical, <laughs> but these are the principles that I put into place that got me to seven years happily married with five kids under seven. And I can't wait for 77 more years with the most amazing woman in the world. And it's the biggest blessing that God has ever given me in my life. So I, it worked, take it or leave it, but I'm going to tell you my rules because it's online meeting. You can't start to develop the relationship. And so I limited myself severely to what was allowed online. So the first step was to just blast out as many invitations to connect as possible. It's a numbers game. And I was looking for people. A lot of people go online looking for the right one. And that's the complete backwards way to do it. You, can only, you should only go online looking for somebody who's not a no. If you go online with that intention, you're filtering out people that you would otherwise waste your time with if you just randomly met at the bar. And so you're, you're trying to set yourself up to not waste that time with somebody who's immediately a no. And you know everybody's gonna have a different 
definition of what that looks like, but you know, you, you, you just take it for what it is. You know what that means. So, you know, you see somebody's profile and they're like, you know, all about hookups or this or that or whatever. Like you look at that, you just click next. Or if there's somebody that's like completely outside of any realm of possible attractiveness to you, like obviously you're not looking for charity cases where you have to try to make somebody feel better by spending time with them. Not that nobody else will find them attractive, but if that's your intention when you're looking at the picture, then that's a no. But if you're looking for people who are not a no, and I'm not overemphasizing the physical aspect, but we're human and it's part of our integrated selves. So it's part of the equation. Then you're, you just kind of throw out the whatever, the wink or the, the I don't even know what they are now, but I, I did this on uh, match.com. So you could like click link, wink at somebody to like right. sort of tap their shoulder. Yeah. Um, and also, by the way, you don't have to be on catholicmatch.com. It's, that's a whole nother you know, story. But the, the fact of the matter is, if you set this up correctly and you're filtering out people the right way, there are great people on a bigger site like match.com. And again, we're going back eight years, so I could be like totally off. People are on, on Tender now and getting- they're all, Yeah, I know there's all this other stuff, all but- There's the crazy stuff. You know, but the, the, so I would only, so real quick, the rules were I would only email three times back and forth with somebody if it got to that point from a wink or whatever, then uh, before having a phone conversation. And I wouldn't talk on the phone for more than 20 minutes and I wouldn't have more than three phone conversations before setting up a time to meet in person. So just like really restricting the amount of time you spend getting to know somebody before you actually meet in person. So that's why this is online meeting, not online dating. And then when you uh, have somebody to meet, the way that I did it was I, I kind of gauged a little bit like a little bit of my interest level to start with, but I'd say like, do I want to start off with something really, really light, like a coffee? Or is there a possibility that I'll really enjoy this conversation and go out later in the day, maybe after work, get a drink and leave it sort of open-ended that it could go on past that. So a drink may progress to like, eh, let's pick up a little, let's look at the menu. I wonder if there's any appetizers here that look good. Like if you're in a good conversation, it just kind of leaves it open to develop to the next um, you know, sort of next way to spend another half hour together in that conversation or whatever. And so in the beginning, and again, this is very, very, very light. Okay. This is like virtuous meeting of the opposite sex. I'm not saying like a numbers game, like you're going out there. The, the women that I met and talked to knew very quickly, my intentions were pure. And I was really looking for good conversation just to get to know new people. And, and you learn all about like all sorts of fascinating people that you would never otherwise meet in your life. And if we really have the right lens and can see the beauty of people in general, and you realize that my job is not to use this woman. In other words, the reason for a first date is to find out if she's for me. You're, you're automatically setting yourself up to use that person. But if you have this beauty, if you have this respect and regard for the dignity and beauty of the other person, you know, then it's like, it's my privilege to buy you a drink just so I can sit and talk and hear about your life and like, just learn something about who you are as a person. If there's nothing else that I ever get from you in this exchange, that's, that's wonderful because you've given me this gift of spending this half hour with you 
and, and you've given me that time. And, and so, and I'm giving this back as well. So that's the different, it's like a completely different mindset right? than what people, you know, typically mean by dating. And if you can't be in that mindset, then again, I'm going to say you're not ready to date. No. It's, it's, you're going into dating with the wrong mindset. Such and that's a selfish you, mindset and marriage is, is just about the furthest thing from, from that, from that word. A thousand percent. And that's why marriages end up really, really troubled because even the first date ends up being about, is this the right one for me? Is this going to work out the way that I plan on it? Is, does he have the qualities that I need him to have? Instead of it being like, I'm encountering another image of God who has infinite dignity and is totally unique and unrepeatable. And I just get to the privilege of sitting with this person for a half hour and just enjoying their presence. And who knows if I want to do it a second time or not. But for this first time, that's what this is all about. And if you have that mindset, you could easily and happily do that three times a week. And for a time when I was really kind of in the middle of this, I was doing it like three times a week. I would meet up all, with all sorts of people, having these conversations, again, totally light, totally, you know, they, they knew my intentions. It wasn't misleading. And, and they were oftentimes they were like totally relieved to meet somebody who is approaching it in that manner. And it was like a lot, it was just a lot easier. And so eventually long story short, now we're going to wrap up, but long story short, eventually I met my wife and we met up at a, at a, a restaurant with a bar and you know, we, we met for a drink and then it was the appetizer and then it was dinner and then it was dessert and then it was an after dinner drink. And we were just talking for hours. And because I'd gotten over myself, you know, I wasn't even anxious or, or nervous meeting people for the first time anymore. So I was able to get over like, what do I look like? Am I saying something dumb? Like whatever. I was like really just focused on the other person. And when I saw her, I met her, I knew her and I knew immediately that my life was going to be different from here on out. And it was because of all that preparation, getting to know myself, developing a relationship with God, building these principles, and then I put it into practice. It took about six months until it clicked and I met the right person. I love it. I love it. And, you know, it's just, it takes so much more work like on ourself, then we realize dating is not this thing where you're just going to put a coin in a slot machine and it's just going to work for you. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I'm just thinking of like this entire, you know, process that you created for yourself that worked for you and, and the boundaries you set for yourself to make this happen. Plus all the work prior that you had been doing and are still doing on yourself. I mean, that's another thing that, maybe we haven't mentioned explicitly, but that, that self-awareness, that relationship with God, that doesn't just end once you found that person. I mean, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely I mean, not. I, I'm sure that's obvious to everybody, but just so we're very clear, like that goes on in a very deep way. And your self-awareness is, goes into like layers, like the matrix after you're married, because that person that you love and that you vowed to be with till death has now uncovered layers of you that you thought were taken care of, but they aren't. Oh, anymore. absolutely. And, and it brings out new things that you've got to deal with. And that's why it's a pathway to holiness and to heaven because it uncovers, God allows 
God, allo- God allows us to work through that and to bring about our holiness through love, through his love, through his mercy, and through the love that he brings us and others. And it's, it's beautiful, but it's also a piece of suffering. So it continues on. But the point is like the work that you're do, the work that, you know, that you do before marriage, it continues on in a really beautiful unfolding into marriage before. So if you can get used to the process of the fact that it is work and it is a challenge at times, then marriage may, may not shock you as much. Absolutely. That's the, that's the whole thing. And that's, yeah, that's why it's a training ground. It's like going to boot camp before you go off to battle, that it doesn't compare to the actual battle, but it's training yourself into a mindset that the whole point is about dying to self. And if you can do that when you're single, and then you can do that when you're dating, it's a lot easier when you're married. And something I didn't realize, because I studied this so much before I got married, and I was prepared and ready for marriage. I did not realize how practically, just on a basic human practical level, having a baby would level up the gift of self beyond anything I could have ever previously dreamt of. And so, like for me at least, and for my wife, like, you know, you get married and you're newlyweds and it's just the two of you. Like, yeah, it's hard. Like, you have this other adult staring at you all the time, like knowing all of your wounds and vulnerabilities and weakness and everything. And, but there's still like, some space to hide a little bit but then you get drawn into parenting and it's a dying to self on a whole different level and you just have zero opportunity to escape when it's really uncomfortable you know the the reality that there may be a time when you're not going anywhere you know when it's that sleepless night when it's going through the stages of pregnancy when it's going through all of the things that come with the new child in the world and then the the different stages of growing it's like man you're really locked in in a whole different level so i would even say that the training of dating makes marriage easier and if you get it right and you already have that mindset then the marriage is preparing you for how much deeper and and more difficult that gift of self can feel when you bring life into the world and then and then if you've done it right it becomes this beautiful flourishing of the gift of self. And that's the true fertility of that gift of self. And, but if you've missed it along the way, that's when it just becomes, you know, so much more difficult. I have a, a, a colleague who's a, a, div- a divorce attorney. She's a Catholic family lawyer. And she told me that like over 80% of the divorce cases that she uh, works with, and she tries to get people to not divorce first, but a lot of times they, they obviously still do. And she said they can be traced back their initial conflict to having their first child. And so no matter where they're at in life, how many years they've been married, that's when the actual conflict that they trace what led to their divorce began. So that's, that's what we want to be preparing ourselves against and away from so that we get this right, right from step one. Yeah. Amen. Okay. So Dr. Greg, where there, there, there's so much, I love this. Our show notes are going to be so chunky. Don't you worry. <laughs> and they're going to have this information there for you. Um, although, I mean, if I was you and if I was, if I was back in my single, I would just re listen to the whole thing. Cause that was so great. Everything that you put out there, but where can, where can we send people? Tell us how, how, how people can connect with you or take some of these courses you're talking about and connect with you on social media too. 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, social media everywhere. I'm Catholic Psych. So Instagram, Facebook, uh, at Catholic Psych. And um, I have this How to Be Married course is at academy.catholicpsych.com. And so I have a bunch of courses there. It's academy at, uh, sorry, academy.catholicpsych.com. And, uh, and then our latest initiative is this Integrated Life community. Uh, and people could find that at integrated.life, just simply like that, integrated.life. Perfect. So all of that will be in the show notes. Check it out, my friends. Please do. Oh my gosh, especially if you're in that beautiful stage of singleness and, 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 and you're, you're, you're dating or you're taking time off because you shouldn't date because you've listened to one of those principles and you're like, yes, I'm going to check myself before I wreck myself. That's perfect. Mm. But you still need to go and get more information. Um, and, and if anything, just definitely um, get all of the resources that Dr. Greg has out there. All right. So before we leave, before we leave, I think that I don't know about you, but I, but a challenge to give our listeners, um, I would suggest take those principles, those three principles, and put them into action um, for yourself. Um, I would think that if you could just write them down and make this, you know, a more concrete experience and practice, write them down into your journal. Um, and answer them honestly. Take them into prayer. Take them into adoration if you have time. And that would be my challenge. Dr. Greg, do you have a specific challenge? Yeah, I no, I think that's great. I I um I, I think that just the challenge even to just be more granular and, and practical is just to say, I'm gonna spend 10 minutes this week with my journal, just writing down those questions, asking myself. Am I, you know, am I in a place where, where I'm called to date? Is this, um, I, I forget how I exactly phrased those three, but I, I think you're going to have them listed in your, in your notes, but going through that process, like really challenge yourself to take that 10 minutes to, um, to, to really take that seriously. Yeah. And I would really suggest that if you are in the stage of singlehood when you're not married, so this is not, this challenge is not for our married folks, but if you are single, even if you're dating, still ask yourself these questions. Oh yeah. Good point. I mean, there were times when I was dating and I should not have been, and these questions would have really hurt and they would have stung, but I wish I wish I would have had them. I wish I would have been honest and done the hard work before it got messy or complicated. Um, and so that the, I, I would highly recommend, even if you're in a relationship, not marriage, but if you're in a dating relationship, ask, still ask yourself these questions um, because that, that could, that could bring you to a place of enlightenment, so to speak, where you need to be. So yeah, I think, I think too, like if, if, uh, can add a simpler thing in here for any people that are married and, um, and this would count for everybody, but basically the one simple question to ask, and this is a little pseudo spiritual direction slash therapy here. But if we, if we take it as a premise that the whole point of our life is to be a gift of self ask yourself like in my current state maybe it's married maybe it's single or otherwise um if you're religious you should be asking yourself this question 
what moments do I find it most difficult to live according to that principle? Like specifically, what specific events happen in my life or what's going on? What are the circumstances in which I find it most difficult to live according to that principle? And then what can I do about lessening that difficulty at those times? That's good. That's good. And again, we're going to have those challenges written out for you too in the show notes. So um, depending on where you're listening, um, if you're in iTunes in particular, I know that you can just kind of scroll up in the show notes and you can see them right there as you, as you pick up your phone, but we will have all of that right there for you. Dr. Greg, you've been amazing as always. I'm, I love having you on this podcast. I, we have the best feedback when you are on. I love it. Oh, good. I, I really so appreciate that. And I'm, I love being able to share with you and, and give back to your audience as well. So thank you. Oh, man, it is such a pleasure. Okay, so we have, before we wrap up, I, I have quite a few. I have got the list here of new Patreon members. So you can support this podcast at patreon.com slash Leah Darrow. So I have some new members. I want to give you a shout out. I got Melissa from California. Sarah from Wisconsin, Maureen from North Carolina, Laura from California, Elizabeth, we don't know where you're from, but you're Elizabeth and I'm happy you're with us. Katie M from Louisiana, Daniel from Georgia, Ashley from Kansas, Catherine from my Texas state, Christy from Tennessee, and last but not least, Claudia from Poland. You can support this podcast so that we can continue to put out amazing episodes with amazing guests like you just heard with Dr. Greg. Um, and so you go ahead and you can support us at patreon.com slash Darrow. Also, lots of questions about Lux University. Yes, it is open. It's perpetually open now. If you are a Catholic woman and you are looking for a guided prayer life, if you're looking for courses on the faith, you can join us at theluxuniversity.com. So go ahead and sign up. Give yourself the gift of that at theluxuniversity.com. And remember, remember my sweet friends, whatever you do today, do something beautiful for God. God love you. God bless. And I'll talk to you later.